Glasgow comic page where we talk about comic reviews, interviews, and news on a weekly basis. As always, I'm your host, Ian, and I am joined this week by lovely Daniel. hey And for the first time officially, we're joined by Big Boss Ian, the man with the beard himself. Hello. Uh, Ian is actually, not me, of course, uh, this will be interesting because we're going to have to differentiate <laughs> here. Uh, big Ian, Big Beard Ian, is actually the man that runs the show. He started uh, BGCP and is uh, kind of the the man behind the curtain, so to speak. And so it's exciting to finally have him on board now that he has a proper microphone and the time to spare. He's got little ones to look after, so, you know, he's, he's, I'm glad he's offering us his time. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about news. We're going to be talking about what we've read and seen. Shout out to a couple of reviews on the website. And uh, kind of our feature discussion this week is going to be terrible comic books uh, that we've read. And some of you left some comments on Facebook about that. We're going to give you the shout outs there as well. Before we go any further, do us a favor really quick. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit those like buttons. Smash that bell. All that stuff that the YouTube people decided to do, you know, those calls to action, we'd really appreciate it. Helps get the name out there, helps get more listeners, and just, you know, it, it spreads us around a little bit. So that would be super cool of you. If you're uh, listening to a podcast app, you can leave a review on the app and do a five-star review and type something good. Yes, that <laughs> would also be super it. cool of you to do. <laughs> If you just if you don't like it, then just move along. We don't. It's it's cool, you know. You you'd be better. There are better things for you to do with your time than leave a one star review. Don't be that guy. Use your time for good and not evil. Um, we're gonna skip out on Witcher Soldier this week just because our big boss here he's only seen the first episode, so we're gonna come back next week when the series is finished and do kind of a roundup there. Um, so if you're looking for Witcher Soldier talk this week. I apologize, we don't have it, but we will mentioning something Winter Soldier adjacent later on. First and foremost, we're going to go and give a couple of shouts to reviews on the website this week. For that, I'm going to pass it over to the big boss himself. Ian, take it away. Cool. So um, just a few from Marvel, DC, and Boom, and Kickstarter as well. So most of these are from writer Michael Lennox. He's kind of a machine right now and firing through most of them. You've been killing it. I know. So, uh, Dark Hawk, uh, Heart of the Hawk, number one. So, it's like a 90s hero. Not a lot of people might know about him, but I was kind of really into him because, again, I got into the comics in the 90s. Um, so, this is like, there's multiple writers and multiple artists, so I think it's like one of those. a few stories because it's his 30th anniversary, but... Uh, Michael seemed to really enjoy it. He gave it overall four out of five stars, and I think there's a few fans that have left reviews, and they've kind of given it four out of five as well. So um, pretty solid. Yeah, uh, Batman the Detective number one. Um, <laughs> Tom Taylor and Andy Cooper. Is that right? Yes. Yep. yep. Yes, that is correct. Um, again, Michael Lennox reviewed this and. 485 really enjoyed it i'm right there with him uh we have a strange and I, I only had it reviewed because obviously it ties in with us but uh from boom studios peanuts scotland bound uh, scotland bound charlie brown um 
So obviously it's the old Peanuts comic. Uh, I think it was like a, an unused script from quite a few years ago. Um, and essentially they've turned it into a comic. So um, he actually gave it a decent review. I think he gave it, well, three out of five. Um, I think it's more a kind of kid's comic and he is a kid yeah. adult. But um, it looks quite good. Um, I might read it, obviously, just due to the, the Scotland tie-in. But it looks... I love Peanuts growing up, man. I'll probably read it. Uh, next one is Mighty Morphin number six from Boom Studios. Uh, Ryan Parrott, Marco Rena, and Walter Baramonte is the artists. Um, again, he has a, a really big Power Rangers fan. Uh, obviously, Power Rangers or the original Power Rangers are kind of getting a bit of a comeback in comic form right now, thanks to Boom Studios. Uh, he's given that a four point. Uh, 4.5 out of 5 so again really good review there and the last one is again Michael Lennox um, this was a kickstarter um, the writers Ruben Romero and the artist is Andrea Erico uh, the book is called The Illusion which book one um, it's a kickstarter that again like most comics these days like absolutely smashed the target a uh, really colourful book, um, which I think that's kind of what attracted Michael to it. Just a really kind of colourful cover, and the interior is pretty much the same. Uh, five out of five, he gave it story art overall. Not just because it's a, a Kickstarter. I have seen this man give a, a bad review, review, but like all the books this week that he's given have been a near enough five out of five. Right. Did no one review Joker this week? Uh, someone is in the process of doing it. That'll probably be up tonight or tomorrow. I think it's nearly done, to be fair. But uh, okay. no, no, cool, it's, cool. nothing's up yet. Uh, so that that's from the website that obviously the other writers have done. I have not read any comics this week, but I did watch a TV show from Apple Plus starring Aquaman, Jason, Jason Momoa. Mm. Uh, it's called C. Uh, it's from 2019, so this was like the first TV show that Apple Plus launched in their streaming service. But their streaming service and launched. the guy that played Aquaman. Yeah. Um, the irony is astounding. So it was just just a few weeks before Disney Plus launched. So I think it kind of got a bit lost. Kind of overshadowed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's really what good TV think? show. Um, I, I I was watching an interview with uh, Jason Momoa meeting Tyson Fury, and Jason Momoa was just like fanboying over like the size of uh, his fists and stuff, and just like how yeah, in good too, shape man. he was. Um, yeah. He's obviously a big boxing fan, a big MMA fan, from what I understood. But he was like. Why are you in London, kind of thing? And he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm uh, doing like promo for this uh, new TV show I'm doing for Apple. It's called C. It's about like people that are blind, like the whole world's went blind. And I'm like, I have never heard of this. Before. Oh, C as in vision, not C as yes. in the ocean. Yes. S E C. It's like a it's a little future on those like tribes. I watched a couple episodes and couldn't get into it when it came out. So it's like it's after it's like post apocalypse. So the world as as it is now, but it's it's essentially God has uh, decided that we're ruining the world. So to kind of put it back to the start, he has um, essentially made 
every kind of new child blind, so everybody that's came and is alive now, um, everybody's blind. So, you know, technology um, like no longer exists. The only kind of buildings from when, you know, like we were alive, it's, it's like ruins. So like mm. everything's kind of back to scratch, you know, they're, they're living in huts, etc. And um, there is a person that is known as like a witch and there's like the the royal family i suppose they have like a witch hunter that goes out to find this witch and the witch's power or black magic is that he has the vision to see which they call the light and anybody that has the light is is evil um but it turns out the person that's hunting them um was like a servant for the, the royal family and the queen was essentially having an affair with him and she wanted to use this power to have babies so her babies would have this power so he basically ran away met a woman um did the deed and uh, she met jason moore uh and his tribe uh he took her in um but they believed that she was kind of a bit weird they didn't really want a, a newcomer to come into the tribe because generally they're kind of unaccepting of newcomers uh, they have the babies and it turns out the babies have the gift of like vision and they are kind of messiahs they're the two of them like a boy and a girl and they're kind of have to go out into the world and spread the gift of vision so god has basically given vision back to the world with these two twins and um there's people that are obviously hunting them down because they believe the gift of vision is like a curse because none of these people know what vision is. They've never experienced it. So it's uh, it's good. Um, it's only it's about eight episodes and I'm halfway through it. But no, it's really enjoyable. Uh, quite violent. Jason Momoa's um, for a blind man. He's just got this big massive blade and he just uh, chops people up. And I really good enjoying it. That and uh, yeah, I've watched... Uh, you ever seen daredevil violence you know the blind can perpetrate violence no definitely uh that and nobody um can never remember his name the guy from better call Saul. Oh, uh, yes yes um, no, the, the better call Saul guy yeah I, i've never i've never started watching it just because it took me a long yeah. time to get into breaking bad uh-huh. I, I loved breaking bad in the end and i really enjoyed his character but i was like Vertical so I know that I'd end up watching it like three, four times before I eventually started it, um, and I've just never got around to it. But um, I, I would, I would go out and let me say it's almost as good as the Breaking Bad. It's only got one season left; it's still its final season, and I can see it being as brilliant as Breaking Bad when it's finished. It's, it's a phenomenal series. It's it's really good. Yeah, very, very my, different my my roommates both really love it. They didn't love Breaking Bad that much, but they really love Better Call Saul. I understand both you and uh, Daniel here saw um, the movie in question that's name you just said that I'm blanking on. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> it's, it, it's easy to forget. Uh, no, it was, it was great. Um, I just kind of went in not expecting much. I was kind of like John Wick taken, like you've got this guy that isn't really known for violent okay. action movies and uh, yeah i no, it was uh really good um unexpected like I'd, i was just kind of watching it because dan had uh you'd kind of hyped it up to me a few weeks ago and i remember kind of yeah. seeing the trailer and i was like ah, i'll give it a watch 
and I was stuck for something to watch one night and uh, put it on and brilliant. The the scene with the bus when he's on, he gets those guys come onto yeah. the bus is just fantastic. Brilliant, yeah, yeah, really, really good choreography. And what's the the one kind of thing I had going on? I was looking forward to. It. I like John Wick and I like Better Call Saul, so I was looking forward to. Looks amazing, and I can't wait for the fourth one. But um, the one thing that I was a wee bit doubtful of, I'm like, is he going to look the part? Like when you see my Saul wearing a suit, you're like, but you know what? See when he's throwing you guys about the bus, you're like, fair enough, man. <laughs> I, I think that's the point that he was once this auditor, as they no, called him. Nobody you might call him. Well, that's the whole kind of point. He, he used to be a very violent person. He was an auditor, and an auditor in the sense of like he basically gets he's he's the last case scenario. Like if there's somebody that needs to be like done in, put to put to sleep, basically they call for this guy. So he was extremely violent, you know, a long long time ago, and he made his money. About he just wanted a kind of a nice life. He kind of he meets a meets a woman, settles down, has kids, goes to work for her dad and brother-in-law, who he doesn't really get on with that well, a uh, pure mudding factory job, he clocks in, clocks out, his wife barely speaks to him, they don't have sex anymore, very mudding, he's a nobody, essentially, you know, people ask him, who are you, like, he's a nobody, and he, they do, they do uh, use that phrase at some point, but, but then right. something happens and he kind of has to open the door to that kind of old persona, that old kind of violent uh, guy. And uh, he's brutal. He's, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've watched John Wick. I've not watched it for a while, but I would say on like a kind of violence level, it was it was up there past John Wick. What I liked about it as well, that like John Wick, he kind of, when he took this sledgehammer out of the ground and got his guns out, he was back, like, right away, he was total badass again. Whereas in this, it takes him a while, see, first, he takes a right down, and then as the movie goes on, he kind of gets a bit more, you know, set in his old ways and stuff. But it's not like, you know, he switches the back on, all this on, it's headshots, and it's like, he does, it's a bit, he's a bit rusty. Perspective, like, he's a bit rusty, yeah. kind of... Uh, get your murder legs back, mm. I guess. He, he gets, <laughs> yeah, I like, I like that He gets thrown out the window of a bus at one point and he's lying on the ground and he's just like, you kind of think, right, that's him done, he's just going to walk away because at this point he's beat these guys, These I think there's like five, five or six of them, he's beat them yeah. up pretty badly, stabbed them, broken some noses, broken some teeth and he, they're messed up but he's messed up as well so at that point they're all sitting down and they're like, their teeth are missing, their noses are broken. And I'm like, right, he's just going to walk away at that point because the girl that he was saving, she's walked away. But no, he basically gets back up, gets on the bus, picks up a blade and just goes back to work. And uh, I, all of them end up in hospital and he somehow manages to walk home. I so, think uh, in the biz they call that finishing the job. Well, um, it's based on it's based on an idea that he had apparently as well. Oh, really? um, yeah, yeah, he, he got broken into. Bob Woodcock got broken into a few years ago, and he locked. He, he got out of it by locking the robbers in the basement. I don't know what happened. If he was like all my stuff down there, and he went down, he just locked them in. It was must be like a coded door or something. It's and kind of brilliant that that's what he did. And then he phoned the police, and then they came. But he says because of how badly the police handled it, he wishes that he could have. He was bad enough, badass enough to handle it himself. And then that's kind of why the main movie. So that's pretty cool. Have you have you guys ever heard the story of the guys that broke into Dolph uh, Dolph Lundgren's house? 
No. Yeah, so Dolph Lundgren, huge, first of all, huge dude. Actual genius. Like, he's a brilliant guy. Martial artist. Still built as hell, even being old. So, the story goes, these guys broke into his house, and only his wife was home. And they tied her up. They were going to steal all his stuff. And then they saw a family portrait and realized whose home they broke into. And they politely untied his wife, apologized, and left. <laughs> as you would. No, yeah. That was wise, yeah. Is, he got, <laughs> yeah. is, is Lundgren not got like a... She's got like a PhD or like multiple PhDs, yeah. I'm sure. Like super intelligent. Yes. but legitimately super smart. He is not the... Uh, he is not the brainless walking uh, muscle mass that you see in like Rock, Rocky. Rocky Four. <laughs> yeah. My mouth isn't doing the things my brain wanted to. <laughs> Every time I, I think of Dolph now, I just think of the Aquaman movie with like the CGI here when he's underwater. He's uh, just constantly moving. Yeah. It looks terrible, but yeah, uh, I'm glad that he's getting a kind of a new lease of life in the last few years. Like I think he was uh, was he in the Green Arrow TV show at some point, and then he did Expendables. Yeah, and he's getting he's getting big roles again, unlike say. Van Damme, who Van Damme had that kind of that role in Expendables, but apart from that, he's you know has been yeah. super done yeah. these days. I really, I really liked how they killed him in Expendables too. I enjoyed that movie. <laughs> Unrelated. They're so, they're stupid. The Expendable movies are stupid, but you know what you're watching like they're I, I like them. I, the first one was too self serious. The second one was just the right. This is a like, movie you're getting lots around. of cameos, ridiculous cameos, yeah. and that's that's all it is. Hey, here's Chuck Norris. Here he is. You want, <laughs> there he is. And then Expendables 3, I barely remember, except for everyone made a big deal that Ronda Rousey was in it, and she uh, can't act her way out of a cardboard box. So, so I think the kind of purpose of that was that they were, I don't know if they were looking to launch, like a, they were looking to launch new action heroes because really, you don't really get action hero stars these days you've got the rock who can pretty much do in but you don't have the equivalent of an arnie or bruce willis or stallone yeah. etc and it's still the same old guys doing it from 30 years ago so i think that i think it had a uh, liam's liam hemsworth as well liam Hem well they killed liam hemsworth in <laughs> the beginning of the second one and that's the entire like inciting incident for why they have to right. go murderize on claude van damme mm -hmm. um, which i was into it i was like yeah get that guy he did the thing um i, I think what it comes down to the reason you don't have action heroes like that is it used to be like you had your normal actors and then you had your arnold's and your sly stallone's and like these big buff dudes and now it's like you can get anyone in Hollywood built with a personal trainer and a couple of really good supplements. Yeah. Supplements. I'd also say uh, that superhero movies have kind of taken over in terms of blockbusters from uh, action yeah. movies. So that's a big Absolutely. part of it as well. On the, the context of action movies, you can now have action movies with anybody. And I think the more unexpected the actor, the better the movie is. And I think it all kind of kicked off with... Liam Neeson when he did Taken and then yeah. he did about 20 other movies that were basically the same plot with different names but then you had people like Piers Brosnan, Kevin Cosner they were like right my acting career is like over the hill let's do a Liam Neeson style movie and some Sean of them Penn are and, yeah, some yeah. of them are good, some of them are terrible and you know they some of them they don't want to be cast as like the grandpa or like you know the elder of the tribe kind of thing, they want to 
You want to get an action movie and experience, because Liam Neeson was super popular when he did that, and he went for free taken movies. There was a uh, Amongst yeah, the yeah. Tombstones, so he had quite a, a kind of career resurgence. And then was it last year, the year before, he decided to basically go on a, an interview and get himself cancelled. Uh, said he wanted to like kill a black guy or something like yeah, that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was rough. I mentioned um, that in, in one of my reviews, actually, about uh, he said going to go and cosh the guy or something. No, yeah, I, it was a it's, thing it's horrible because I think the, the thing he was talking about happened years ago. I think was his sister, sister-in-law was like raped by like yeah. a black black guy, and he was like, "I just wanted to like go into a random pub, uh, get drunk, and like the first guy that I met." And you were like, "Come on, like." killed his career over something that happened like 20, 30, 40 years ago or something like that and most of these movies... I understand movies, wanting to like kill that guy specifically, I totally get that. Any but, guy, just yeah. any guy basically and it's like, aye, that's, uh, that's you've kind of killed your career. Oh, Liam. But uh, funnily enough, most of these movies, I think all these movies since then have been straight to DVD so he's uh, he's on the pile after that. I yeah. hereby declare this genre old man revenge. <laughs> That's old actually. man revenge movies. Um, so four out of five, or uh, four out of five. Um, out of five, what would do you, what do you guys give this movie? Nobody, I mean. Four out of five. I, no, you go. Uh, four out of five, I'd say. Um, I am planning to write a review for this film. Um, it's not oh, spoilers. So I wouldn't give it away, but I did, I did enjoy it. Very much liked it. Yeah. I feel like I knew Ian was gonna give it a four out of five. I had a little Freudian slip right there. I promise I didn't. I didn't know, but I had a, I had a feeling. <laughs> um. So, Daniel, is there anything else uh, notable that you read or watched that you wanna, wanna uh, talk about? Over? Not particularly. Um. I put a few. I went. I actually went back and rewatched a few old MCU movies. Um. I put reviews up on the website. Um. There's a review up for Civil War. And what was the other one I did? I don't remember. Um, but I, I, I plan on continuing doing that over the next few days. Um, okay. X Men Apocalypse, went back and watched that. That was a mistake. Uh, okay. um, but yeah, there's, there's reviews on the website. Okay, so visitor, you know, listeners can go to the website and look at some of those reviews. We do review uh, movies and the occasional video game along with comic books. We try to kind of cover the comic book nerd gamut. Um, I didn't really watch much this week, aside from your requisite Invincibles and uh, Winter Soldiers, and I watched the first episode of Warrior, which is really cool, um, but completely unrelated to comic books. Um, what I did read was Batman the Detective by Tom Taylor with art by Andy Kubert, uh, which Ian mentioned there's a review from uh, Mike Lennox on the website. Uh, so I didn't write the review, but I think that book is real good. It's definitely, I don't know if they said this ahead of time, but it's definitely like an Elseworlds title. It's absolutely, like there's no way it's taking place in main continuity because you've got kind of an older Bruce Wayne. Um, no, somebody, somebody it, did ask uh, Tom Taylor that on Twitter and he was like, mm, not really, but not like a definitive, not it's an Elseworld, just it's not really like set in the same world, so. Yeah, you, you can tell it's out of normal continuity. Like, this is like an old, older, not like Dark Knight Returns old necessarily, but he looks like he's maybe in his 50s. 
um, with a lot of scars, kind of a military haircut, uh, kind of a harder edge looking Batman. Um, Andy Kubert's art, as usual, is spot on. I mean, I could, I'll read anything that that guy draws that's Batman related. Um, from the stuff he did with Morrison, his art was the best part of Dark Knight 3, easily. Yeah. Some might even say the only good part. <laughs> um, he, he really, he, he has his own style, but it really, really, really reminds me of the best days of Frank Miller's art, just a bit more polished. Frank Miller always had that kind of, um, not sketchy necessarily, but it, it, there wasn't a lot of detail necessarily in Frank's work. Yeah, uh, Kubert, Yeah, Kubert's a lot more detail-oriented. But th this book really did remind me of, like, the best Dark Knight Returns book that's come out since 1986. Because we got Dark Knight Strikes Again, we got Dark Knight 3, we got The Golden Child, and, like, first of all, only one of those, arguably, was actually written by Frank Miller. Um, they just also weren't that good. Um, I think if I had to rank the Dark Knight Returns books in order, it would be Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight 3, Golden Child, Strikes Again. And then way down here, you've got All-Star Batman and Robin, but we're going to talk about that later. Um, the story is basically, you start off with uh, the current version of Knight, who used to be Squire. I forget... Um, Oh, what's what's her name? Beryl. Beryl something. Uh, the current knight in England is attacked by someone who is essentially wearing a white Batman costume. And uh, she ends up laid up in the hospital, and Bruce Wayne's like, I've got to get out of my Batcave and my mansion because, like, I've got too much stuff, and I need to be more Spartan about things. So he's, like, done with the Batcave. He's done with his mansion which is kind of the first inclination you have that this is not, like, normal continuity Batman. Um, and he goes to visit uh, Beryl in the hospital, and a couple of things happen. They're attacked by another gang of people wearing white Batman costumes uh, for reasons that aren't really explained. And he also runs into the Gentleman Ghost, who is a Knight and Squire-centric villain uh, from England, except he's like a really monstrous version of the Gentleman Ghost, and Bruce apparently has gauntlets that Constantine gave him that can punch ghosts. Bruce Wayne punches a ghost. Like, the Gentleman Ghost puts his hand inside Bruce Wayne to, like, take his soul or whatever, and Bruce is like, nope. And the Gentleman Ghost is like, how? And Bruce is like, magic gauntlets, bitch! So that's that's pretty cool. Oh, right, the inciting incident actually is a, uh, a plane crashes. And uh, Beryl was trying to keep the plane from crashing, and that's where the person with the white Batman uh, suit came from. But what we find out after Bruce uh, has kind of information run on everyone who's on that plane, every person that was on that plane that crashed is an individual whose life Batman had previously saved. And so what we get at the end of the first issue is the idea that these white-suited Batman lookalikes are trying to reverse all of the lives that Bruce Wayne has saved over his career. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where that's going. It's written really well. It definitely has that Dark Knight Returns internal monologue going on. Tom Taylor does a great job with that. Again, Hubert Art's great. Um, I liked it a lot. I'm going to be picking up the second issue. I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. That's the end of my ramble. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Andy Kubert did... Um... 
the was it uh, the Batman book with Neil Gaiman? Was it whatever happened to the? Oh yes, yeah. whatever happened to the Green Crusader? And yeah, yeah. Was that R- cool. R.I.P. Batman, or is that a different book I'm thinking of? It was, it was during that time period. They did that right after Batman, R.I.P. and Final Crisis, but it didn't officially... Like, it's not officially part of that story, but I include it in, like, the reading list anytime I kind of give the Morrison run to someone to read. Um, it was an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coolest thing about whatever happened to the Cape Crusader is, first of all, it's Neil Gaiman, so it's super weird. Um, but you get a bunch of different versions of Batman characters throughout that story. And you also get a bunch of different versions of Batman as he's laying in his coffin in this in this wake that everyone's at. And Hubert mimics the style of a bunch of different artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. The interesting thing is, is what Hubert said about it is he didn't try to draw him, he didn't try to mimic that artist's style. He tried to draw that artist drawing his style, is the way he put it. Right. Um, but it was really cool, though. Like, it, I think that story is worth a reread anytime, just for the, um, just for the story itself and for the art. It's got that uh, that really interesting take on things where Alfred uh, is the Joker, Joker. and well, he yeah, was the like an old, he was like an old Shakespearean actor that was hired yes. by. And but then his whole, his whole trip. Yeah, because Bruce has his trauma and he's trying to get over it, and yep. like he's fighting crime, it's not doing it for him, and so Alfred hires his theater troupe to pose as the, the these villains. outlandish costume villains, and then Bruce eventually figures out what's going on, and is like, I can't believe you would do this, and then the bad signal goes up, and Eddie Nash, who is the Riddler which is a nice callback to a couple of versions of the Riddler in the past that weren't named Edward Nygma, um, is, is holding some people hostage with a gun, and he, he's, like, completely lost himself in the character at this mm. point. And Batman goes to stop him. He's like, I know what's going on. I know you're all just acting. And he's lost himself in the Riddler character, and he's like, no, it's real, and shoots Batman. It just kills him. Like, that's the end of it. Um, really good story. I, I, I highly recommend, if you haven't read Whatever Happens to Cape Crusader, read that. You don't need... Despite it happening at the same time as Batman R.I.P., you don't need any previous knowledge to read it. Um, having the knowledge of you know Batman history helps, but totally unnecessary. You can read it by itself. And again, to circle back to the point, I highly recommend picking up uh, Batman the Detective. Also doesn't require you to be reading any other current continuity. It's a standalone story. Good premise. Looking forward to seeing where it goes. Uh, if I were to review it, I'd give it a 4 out of 5. I think that is everything we have been uh, reading slash watching this week. So let's let's go ahead and kick it over to news, which lovely Daniel has provided us with a fantastic uh, kind of rundown of of news this week. Um, A couple of things we just want to run over really quick. Um, First and not really foremost, but uh, just in the the world of of nerd-related things, Sony... um, they haven't officially announced, I don't think, but uh, word is there's going to be a super unnecessary remake of Last of which only came out in, like, what, 2013? Yeah. yeah. Um, which, granted, was eight years ago, but, like, that game hasn't really aged poorly. It still looks really good. It got a remaster on the PS4. Um, it still plays just fine. I really see this as a very unnecessary remake. Totally. Um, that was my first reaction, was why it's eight years old it's still a brilliant game it still plays brilliant it still looks pretty good to me at the time it was one of the best looking games on the ps3 
right towards the end of the PSC's life cycle. And then, as you said, there was a remake, uh, sorry, a remaster. So uh, I was like, why? But apparently Jason Schreier, who used to write for Kotaku and now writes, I think, for Bloomberg News, he um, apparently was present and he, he's got all sorts of fingers and all sorts of pies. Um, he was in the one of the writers' rooms um, at Naughty Dog. And apparently, allegedly, according to him, the reason that they're remaking it is because the team that developed The Last of Us 2 have got nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre to me because you know how much these things cost, you know, the crazy budgets and the deadlines and all that. I mean, to me, that's not a good enough reason to remake a game. But apparently, the reason that they're not developing anything, the whoever is the head one show at Naughty Dog, um, whether that's Neil Druckmann or whether that's somebody above him, um, hasn't decided what the next project's going to be. Apparently, it's up in the air whether it's going to be another Uncharted game um, or if it's going to be a new IP, something totally original. And right. Which is crazy. I personally prefer. Um, I would rather see something new, personally. But um, I so apparently because the, the development team are sitting there. Also, they are one of the best teams in the world. I mean, if, even if you played The Last of Us Two and like me, then I like the story. It's one hell of a game on a technical level. Do you know what I mean? They are one of the best developers in the world. Um, so I guess you might as well use it for something. And for whatever reason, they've decided that The Last of Us remake is the best option. In my opinion, that's still not a good enough reason, but we're getting it, apparently. So. Let, me, let me pitch this at you. If you're going to remake a game from their catalog, Uncharted yeah. 1, that game has aged, and there's a movie coming out pretty soon. There's your marketing tie-in. That sure. would make way more sense to me. That would make way more sense. You should be heading out um, the The only other, yeah, the, the only other thing I could suggest would be if they would do a sort of I don't know if I would enjoy this, but I kind of fresh take on Uncharted, like tell Nathan Drake's, like the, the way he did with Hitman recently, like tell yeah. Nathan Drake's story again from a different perspective. I don't know if I'd necessarily like to see that, but either would more. make more sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of movies coming, well, not quite movies coming out, but speaking of things that are coming out that you can see on the TV screen that have to do with the thing we were just talking about, we got some Last of Us casting news. Now, I don't. Uh, I read some of this, but I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, yeah, you might. You might better one to kind of take this one the guy that played well we know that pedro pascal's playing joe the lead yes um the guy that played the villain in the last terminator film uh gabriel luna he has been cast as joe's brother tommy who and and the game looked like um bradley cooper so fascinating that they went obviously pedro pascal's latin american the, the way it was on else it's kind of of the same background but right. i mean makes sense I, I've only ever seen the Terminator, but sure, I guess, why not? Yeah. Didn't they also... Is is that the same guy that played Ghost Rider in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or is he yes. playing a different character? Okay. No, that's correct. I, you might know for yeah. that, yeah. I, I've not watched that, but yeah. Uh, neither have I, but that's what I saw on the Twitter sphere. That's what I saw referring to, which that ties a little bit more back into uh, comic, comic I mean, stuff. So. I'm go- I am don't know how, how I feel about that show, but I might watch it. I mean, I'll give it a go. It's HBO, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give. I have HBO Max, so I mean, I assume it's going to be on there. So screw it all. It's, it. um, it's going to be high budget and stuff. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, now actually speaking of movies, Doctor Strange Two has finished filming, so we're moving into post production with that. Looking forward to that movie. I really liked uh, the first Doctor Strange. I like Benedict Cumberbatch as Stephen Strange, and obviously with the kind of dangling threads that were left with WandaVision and all the multiverse stuff happening. I think we're all kind of looking forward to seeing what that movie does. Personally, I think the most exciting thing is the fact that it's a Sam Raimi-directed Marvel MCU yes. film. I'm Absolutely. really looking forward to that aspect of it, personally. Oh, yeah. I would You're going to get someone to do 
weird stuff with a Marvel movie. I would pop mm-hmm. for a Tobey Maguire cameo because, like, what a great way to introduce him would be just to like bring him in there. Did you see the apparent leak for the uh, the new Spider-Man movie? Yeah. Which yeah. one? Uh, There's a couple. Uh, the Alfred Molina. Yeah, well, not kind of like basically the whole kind of plot-wise. Um, it's obviously just a rumor, but um, essentially he's like going to court because he, you know, his identity is out as like Peter Parker, right. the Spider-Man, and uh, he uses some kind of magic to, you know, essentially what they did in the comics, Doctor Strange, where um, he revealed his identity oh, in Civil War. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but something goes wrong and multiverse breaks. Um, oh. Lots of villains okay. from like various Spider-Mans, like Jamie Foxx. He has confirmed now his involvement. Yeah, the only person that's not appearing, which I'm gutted about, is um, I can't remember the actor's name. The original Green Goblin. Um, talk about him earlier. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Yeah, well, I'm just talking about, uh, William Defoe. Yes, um, apparently he's not appearing, but um, lots of them are. So I think there, I think there's more than what have been announced, which is brilliant because I don't want to go into the movie watching, you know, like knowing every cameo that's happening. Like I want, I want a surprise. Like bloody bring Topher Grace back as Venom. Like eating, <laughs> something, something that I'm not expecting. Just like. <laughs> An ACB cameo Guys, that you're not expecting. I have to make a confession. Cool. This entire time, since I've only seen Aquaman a few years ago and seen Jesse, I've been seeing the characters that Willem Dafoe and Dolph Lundgren played as the same character in my head. <laughs> and I forgot that they weren't. You know what? It's Aquaman. That's okay. You can get away with that. <laughs> I, just, I was thinking about it, I was like, wait. Oh, no, those aren't the same. <laughs> Um, but no, back to the, the Spider-Man uh, leak. Um, so the villains uh, have basically been pouring into the MCU universe and Doctor Strange has been capturing them, putting them into right. some kind of spectral prison, something that they can't, and then eventually they break out. So it's up to Spider-Man and Spider-Man and Spider-Man to capture the villains again. And send them back to you know where they come from, um, but I so it looks. Uh, I, I think they're f- finished filming, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. they just finished uh, first Spider Man three. I think they finished filming that. I think they finished filming I, um, No Way Home. Aye, because they well. did like a like a kind of finishing up party, and that's where some leaks because they went and gave yeah. the crew like some merchandise and it had right. uh, I that a couple uh, weeks ago yeah, yeah. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man uh, on it yeah it's got uh, it's got Andrew Garfield Spider-Man on it but there were some nods to one of the oh, little bad yeah. like uh, in the PS3 like Sam Raimi <laughs> Spider-Man font um the question I have about that um, if, if that is accurate um, do we think that those actors like Jamie Foxx's Electro and Alfred Milano's Doc Hawk is that going to be Tom Holland's, you know, going forward, his, his villains, or are we going to get a different Doc Ock later, no, or a different Electro? I, or? I think it's going to be different, because uh, Alfred yeah. was saying, like, his Dr. Octopus is getting the, the CGI treatment, because he was like, I'm old, um, I've got, like, five yeah. chins, and it's picking up <laughs> from where it ended 
in Spider-Man 2 when he basically sacrificed himself to stop that bomb. Um, yeah. So they're CGI. With uh, how in, in, in Doomsday Clock, the comic, they Dr. Manhattan pulled the comedian right before he hit the ground from the intro of Watchmen. They'll just, Dr. Octopus will get pulled out of the water right before he gets killed by the exploding mini-sun. <laughs> but then yeah. elect Electro is going to be different. It's not going to be the Electro that we've seen from uh, yeah. Andrew Garfield. It's going to be James So I, I think it's going to be a different Electro. It's just the same actor. Kind of a bit like the whole uh, Quicksilver One Division. It's the same actor, right. um, just a different Electro. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, you can explain that with multiverses. Like, there's no reason Max Dillon... Even Peter Parker might look different between multiverses, but there's no reason Max Dillon would look the same. I mean, why not? I'd love it if they just put him in the stupid, ridiculous green and yes. yellow costume with, like, um, electricity bolts, mask. Yeah. yeah, that'd be excellent. Yeah, okay. Um, I love that. But no, I, I think they're just doing this so they can do the whole multiverse, but I think the whole multiverse is essentially to introduce... X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool, etc. Yeah. Like, why why break the multiverse unless it's going to have a result? Because then, once you've got mm -hmm. Fantastic Four, you've got your next big bad guy in Silver Surfer and Galactus, etc. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I, th I think what we're going to see is WandaVision, Doctor Strange 2, and No Way Home is going to form a sort of uh, multiversal trilogy, trilogy. of sorts. Yeah. Isn't each one's going to lead into the next, and they're going to be very connected. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so Doctor Strange 2 finished filming. Uh, Lucy Liu cast in Shazam 2. We now have our another villain, uh, along with uh, the casting news we got a couple of weeks ago. Um, who, do, 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 who is she playing? Did they say specifically? Um, she's playing a villain. Um, I, I don't know if it's been announced exactly who it is, but I believe she's playing a villain. Uh, ah, uh, she will join Helen Mirren's Hespera as her sister Calypso. Okay. So that will be, that's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting pair to pair up as sisters, but all right, I'm going to do it. I like the first Shazam. It was a good movie. It was fun. It was fun. That's, that's what I'll say about it. It's fun. It's massively benefited, like, see the cast that, like, for Shazam 2. I think she's, the first Shazam they were a bit unsure of because, again, it's it's never it's never been a massive comic. You know, they've put him into the Justice League and they've tried, like, you know, various uh, comics by himself, but it's never been, it's never been massive. So they gave him a movie. It ended up being a really fun movie compared to, obviously, the kind of dreary, um, other movies in DC, um, yeah. but I think we, we the Rock agreeing to be Black Adam, and obviously that's kind of going full steam. I think that's probably benefited Shazam because yeah. the stronger Shazam is, the stronger it will be oh, when yeah. they fight. Yeah, that's another piece of news. Is is Black Adam has officially started filming? Uh, the Rock yeah. posted the first whatever that thing is called um, on his Instagram. The clocker, the the slate, I think, is what they call it. I don't know. Yeah, the clacker, the thing that goes clack, action. Uh, Hitman's body, Hitman's wife's bodyguard. Boy, <laughs> mouthful of a name. Hitman's wife's bodyguard, Armor of the Dead, and Fast Nine trailers. I've seen exactly one of those trailers. It's the Fast Nine trailer because I unapologetically love the Fast and Furious franchise. Judge me if you must. Those movies are dumb, and I love them. They're basically superhero movies at this point. Did you guys see the other trailers? Yep. Yep. 
Zero three, yeah. I think Ian, if I remember correctly, you're specifically looking forward to Army of the Dead, or am I mistaken? Eh, no, I, I, I like Dawn of the Dead. I like Zack Snyder. I like Batista, so I'm all up for it. Um, I seen that. Um, I wasn't a fan of the, the Hitman's Bodyguards. Oh, like, um, Did you hear that? That was Alan's veins popping from miles away. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, no, I wasn't a huge fan of the original. I think Ryan Reynolds is very hit or miss. I think he's excellent as De- Deadpool. Um, a lot of his other movies, it's just it's Ryan Reynolds basically playing Ryan Reynolds. Um, so no, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of him. Uh, didn't like the original. Probably won't catch the sequel. But again, Fast, you know, Fast and Furious, I'm a massive fan of them as well. So totally up for them. Okay, good. I'm good company. You know, I saw uh, the Hitman's Bodyguard in theaters, and I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. Like this I, I don't remember the plot. I don't remember any of the scenes i couldn't describe any of it i know that it was ryan reynolds and sam jackson i don't remember a single other person that was in it yeah yeah it was one of those films you watch the trailers and you saw the film like yeah, it was it was fine it was what it was um i might truck the sequel looks again the sequel is probably going to be the same it's going to be more of the first one and i guess yeah. if you're up for that you're up for that but out of the three that's definitely what i'm least hyped about um Army of the Dead looks great. I think it, it really reminds me of that zombie game, um, the Xbox One Dead Rising, and the Dead Casino Rising. in Vegas. Really puts me in mind of that. Um, also got a bit of like kind of Guardians vibe to it, or maybe Fast and Furious, like putting a team together and going out to do a heist, and it's got right. that kind of feel to it as well. Um, it kind of makes sense because Dead Rising basically was Dawn of the Dead, the video game. True. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did enjoy the Dawn of the Dead remake of the author. It was, it was pretty good. Um, yeah. And it, it's nice to see Zack Snyder doing something that seems more fun. Like, this looks way more light and not taking itself as seriously as the last, I don't know, five movies he's made. Um, and yeah, F- Fast and Furious looks brilliant. Um, again, I love those movies. I'll see every single one of them. And the fact that they're going to space is just sure. Let's do I am so glad that Tyrese as Roman continues to play the character that goes. We're doing X with Y, as they do X with Y. They have Z, they have Z. Uh, like, he literally exists just to describe what they're doing and then go, I don't want to die, this is crazy! And then Ludacris is like, shut up. No, so that's their, that's, that's their dynamic. And it works. I watched that five times in a row, I don't care. Like, give me more. <laughs> yeah. They got big magnets now. This is the first movie oh. in a trilogy, a trilogy that's apparently to, to end the movies. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought they were going to do Fast 9 and 10, but now they're saying a trilogy, so I guess we'll see Fast 11. And I know... Look, I know everyone has made the joke, Fast 10, your seatbelt. I say no. I say the 10th movie needs to just be called Furious. Here's the twist. The I and the O in Furious is a 10. I like it. Resident Evil 7 style when it was in the title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like it. Or a much worse game, Fear 3. <laughs> Three-er. <laughs> Anyways, um, Mads Mikkelsen joins Indiana Jones. I'll freaking watch anything with Mads Mikkelsen in it. I did not care about a new Indiana Jones. I now care about a new Indiana Jones. Sure. Um, I think he's joining Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She's also going to be in it. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's all I have to say about that. New Star Trek movie in 2023. Do we know if that's going to be with the Chris Pine cast, or is that going to be like a whole new thing? Apparently no, so. I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually a, an article on our site. It was a news article from BGCP that I seen that. So go read that article. And yes. 
because there was, yeah, a, was <laughs> Quentin Tarantino was directing the a fourth movie with the same cast, and then it just I, I don't know what happened. It's not happening anymore. That. I just want to see uh, Carl Urban Bones drop an f bomb every other. Like they've never have they ever have they ever dropped an f bomb in a Star Trek property ever? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. I think they maybe said shit a couple of times in the recent movies, but oh, you know what? They have Picard. They curse a yeah. bunch in Picard. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched Picard as a, I've seen clips. I've seen, I've seen Red Letter Media talk about Picard a lot. Um, No Way Home. Happy Hogan might show up. Wouldn't surprise me. Why? Oh yeah, it's confirmed. I think John Favreau was on set or something. Yeah, yeah. John Favreau's great, and we pretty much have him to thank for the entire MCU. So yeah, bring Happy Hogan back. Uh, Alfred Molina confirms the trans. We already know about that new X Men lineup. I don't know anything about this. Explain it to me. Um, I literally saw this today. Um, there's been a new. Um, I've actually just got the article open here, um, and apparently a fan poll was deciding the last roster spot on the new X Men team. Okay. Um, and it's a team of Pepe Larraz and Jerry Duggan. Um, and the team that has been announced as there's a wee list here. Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Rogue, Wolverine, Singe, Sunfire and Polaris. Wolverine is huh. the clone. It's not like Logan Wolverine. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, Logan. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Female to call Wolverine, yeah. So it's, right, it's, right, right. It's, it's to do with... Um, Essentially, the the X Men relaunch, where all mutants now reside and they're their yeah, own yeah. nation. But when Thousand they did, X, yeah, yeah. So when they did that, they never. I mean, they they would just send random mutants out. They never had the the X Men. So the X Men never existed. Only in name of the title, they never yeah. actually had a an actual team with set members. So Cyclops and Jean Grey basically said. We need the X Men. The world needs the X Men. Blah blah blah. Here's the team. So it's it's the usual kind of relaunch. You've got your established members. You've got a few legacy members like Wolverine and Name, and then you've got a couple of kind of newer names that are obviously names that are looking to kind of push for the next few years. Um, yeah. It looks good, but uh, X Men just became really really good relaunch. Um, you know, it was cool to see. Magneto, Xavier, you know, Apocalypse, all forming this big kind of mutant country, essentially, all working, every, all, you know, villains and heroes all kind of working under the, the same goal, and then it just got really messy, you know, there was five or six titles, various crossovers, you know, mutants trying to it, kill mutants, and it I just kind of totally tuned out after it, a couple of months. Basically, um, the X-Men relaunch is standard Jonathan Hickman fare in that it's going to be convoluted, there's going to be a bunch of plot threads tying into each other, yep. and if you miss, like, one issue, you are lost. Like That, that was my that problem. Dude, I mean, he did the same thing with Avengers leading up to Secret Wars. Like, that guy crafts a story from beginning to end, and you need to see every part of it, or you will have no idea what's going on. But if you see every part of it and you keep up, it's really cool. Like, he's not haphazard about it. It just becomes confusing very easily. Hmm. I like that. Um, yeah, that's, that sounds like a cool lineup, too. I like that. Um, do, 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 do. 
Well, last thing on... Two more things on news, really. Uh, speaking of X-Men, there's rumors that the way... The first way we're going to get an inkling of mutants is actually going to be a Wolverine anthology series on Disney+, Plus, which I look forward to seeing how they do that because Disney+, Plus shies away... Like, Disney+, Plus straight up does not have any content rated higher than PG-13. Um... Mm-hmm. And I feel like that means they're going to have to tone down any kind of standalone Wolverine comment content pretty significantly. Um, but I, hey, I would, I would definitely watch a Wolverine anthology show. There is, dude's two hundred years old. There's a lot to cover there. For years, I've wanted to see. Like I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a, even though the X Men Origins movie was terrible, there was a tie-in game. That was developed oh, I think, by the God of War guys, and you could just tear guys' arms off, decapitate guys. Like, I was so, you know, realistically, I mean, if you had 10 inch claws in your hands, it would be extremely yeah. violent. So, I was kind of. Whole system where uh, Logan, like, you could lose chunks of flesh and stuff down to the skeleton and it would regrow and it every time. Blowing. Yeah, in real time. Yeah, it was really cool. And yeah. I would really like to see a show or a movie, you know, with that same, same sort of. Um, ethos behind it but as you said on Disney Plus we're not going to get that it's going to be it's going to be as PG-13 as Fox were if not more so you can can do Wolverine without excessive amounts of blood I recently reread the Frank Miller Chris Claremont Wolverine standalone miniseries yeah first of all really good read holds up Um, but second of all surprisingly bloodless like Wolverine some people die in it but there's not it's not a lot of it's not like ultimate Marvel levels of unnecessary gore um so I, they can do it it's just they'll have to be a lot of like cutaways and that you know they decapitated a dude on falcon and winter soldier sorry ian spoilers they no, decapitated a I dude know. on falcon and winter soldier and there's blood on the ship like you can yeah you can do a little bit um imagine if marvel just like gave some of their properties like i'm not saying do what they did in the 90s but give some of their properties to hbo max or amazon like i was watching the latest episode of invincible and i was like imagine if we had like an animated wolverine with that kind of content like over 18s but then i totally forgot remember the animated deadpool tv show that um Donald Glover and his brother were voicing and creating that just got totally scrapped. Like, yeah, I thought that could have been, you know, kind of similar to Invincible, where it was really gory and obviously just for for adults, really. Um, but obviously that's no that's no the kind of the stuff that makes a lot of money, and you know it's Disney, so I can see their their kind of business uh, decision. Um, not taking back too much to X-Men Origins because I hate that movie but the, the the best part of it I thought was the part at the start where you see him and Liv Schreiber Sabretooth fighting through, through the all the years. wars together Aye, great. so if, if the series is that you know it's showing you like Vietnam and World War 2 and you know things like that I think that could be actually quite quite interesting Potentially. yeah definitely um, speaking of Disney Plus and Falcon and Winter Soldier which we're not going to uh, talk directly about that show this week, but uh, one person who has not loved Falcon and Winter Soldier is Ed Brubaker, who has had some things to say about. Not that it's a bad show necessarily, but as some of you may know, Ed Brubaker basically invented the Winter Soldier character, and he has not felt uh, particularly treated graciously by Marvel when it comes to his hand in 
creating this character that is now wildly successful and popular thanks to Marvel and Sebastian Stan's portrayal of him. It's understandable. I think Jim Starlin had the same exact issue with Marvel years ago when Thanos made his first kind of cameo and I think he's fell out with Marvel like three or four times since. Um, every time they're doing a an Infinity book or a Thanos book, you know, they'll bring Jim Starlin back and then oh, yeah. he falls out with them. And it's always like royalties. And I think he's made, made more money from having a cameo in like an MC movie than he actually has through creating Thanos, which is... And that's really a, a classic problem with Marvel between now we've got Brubaker, uh, Starlin, obviously Jack Kirby had his issues uh, with Stanley personally. Um... Marvel has some problems with accrediting people for creating things. And I get it. Like, I'm sure there's something in their contracts when they're contracted to create things where it's like, hey, whatever you make, we own now. But it would still be nice to see a nod, you know, so-and-so. Like, every time Batman's in the movie, you see, at least now, as of a few years ago, you see created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Um, have they started crediting like Schuster and all that for Superman at all or do they still kind of leave that alone no, I, think, I know there's a lot of no I think they do yeah. now um, but for a long time like they wouldn't touch it but I think um, yeah. well there was a lot of weird legal stuff with that and the whole Superboy thing for Marvel and DC like for the longest time especially with like you know like team books like X-Men where obviously you know there's a new mutant in every week for the longest time like artists and writers did not want to create new characters because as soon as they made that, and as soon as they were off that book, they were done. They weren't really yeah. getting money from it. Maybe a royalty check every few years, which is, you know, like buttons compared to what they should Doesn't be getting. Um, but as soon as, you know, MCU say, let's bring this new character into the movies, into the TV shows, they're not getting paid extra for that. Like, it's not their, it's not their creation. Hence, it's, it's why you get so many big writers and big artists that are on these contracts where they're doing you know some of the biggest books for marvel and dc but they're still getting their stuff in with image and idw and boom because yeah. they own it you know they created it it and it happens with that it's, it's down to them formation of image with uh todd mcfarlane and jim lee and all of them back in the 90s in the first place was they went hey without our art you guys have nothing like yeah, we're making you the money, and since we're not really getting anything out of this, we're going to take our ball and go play somewhere else. It's 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 probably it's pretty much why Mark Miller and Robert Kirkman like made their own studios because yeah. it, it's nice to play with these characters, but then why would you go and do a Spider-Man movie or a, a Spider-Man book, create like a supporting character for specifically for that book, and then? as soon as you're done with the book you're done with the character even though you created it but they're free to use it wherever merchandise like comics movies tvs so i can see i can see the reasons why but i think there should be yeah. there should be more money like if you create there a character like until you die until you know your children's children die you should be getting money from that and it should be decent if they're creating you know billions and billions and billions of these characters and, and then you've got some writers that fall on the kind of opposite end of the spectrum, like Dan Slott, Scott Snyder, um, James Tiny in the fourth, where, like, you put them on the book, and they're immediately going to create, like, ten new characters for that book. And you almost want them to slow down a little bit. Like, can we, can we just 
Can I just have Batman solve a crime instead of him like fighting a new dude like every two issues? Um, yeah, I mean, Brubaker's comments, uh, we actually have a couple quotes from him. Um, I think I might be the only person in America not excited about this show. When I see the ads for the show, it actually makes me feel sick to my stomach. As a company, why would you want that to be the create way the creators feel? He adds, I probably will watch it at some point. I'm conflicted about it because, like, I knew going in it was work for hire. But also, when I was writing it, they didn't have their own movie studio and weren't owned by Disney. So the idea that this character would go on to be a huge franchise where kids would come trick-or-treating at my house dressed as him, everybody kept coming over to me after the movie going, how much did they give you for this? When you have 100 people asking how much they gave you for this, it starts to eat away at you a little bit. Look, I knew what I was getting into, and I'm not unhappy with my life or that I wrote this thing. I'm super proud of all the work I did on Daredevil and Cap, and I don't love my X-Men run, but there are people who like it. I think that's funny. I loved working at Marvel. I had a great time there, but at the same time, I also feel like, you know, be a little generous. I, that actually must really eat it. Like, kids come to your door dressed as a Winter Soldier and, like, you're getting nothing. It's, yeah. it's, it's been an issue with him, though, since, um, since he first appeared. Like, you know, as Bucky, especially when, when Captain America Winter Soldier kicked off, he made some comments around that same time and it kind of kicked up every time he appears in the movie. But, since they announced the TV show with Falcon, um, I was kind of waiting for it, and I yeah, he kind of touched on it in an interview like a couple of weeks ago when it first started, and he's kind of went into more detail. And the fact that he says he made a cameo um, in Winter Soldier and he gets mm-hmm. more from royalty checks than he does for this TV show or the actual creation of Winter Soldier is uh, extremely poor. Yeah. Definitely. What well, uh, how kind of strong the comments were, like saying it made him sick to his stomach and things like that. I was like, well, that's he's, he's quite bitter, you know, he's quite offended by it. I mean, like, so it's his character, but it just seems a bit, I was like, whoa, he's really getting deep. Yeah. It's, yeah, under- I, I it's understandable. Like, if it was an idea that was presented to him by Marvel and he just expanded on it, but from what I understand, it was him and the artist that went, imagine if you brought Bucky back, because at the time, it was Bucky, Red Hood, and Uncle Ben, and yeah. I believe the Flash. I think Jim Gray was still dead at that point. Uh, so there, there was just these four or five characters that never ever came back. I think he was yeah, one of those kind of first characters to you know come back, and it was like whoa. And then everybody started doing it. You know, if you've got a character that's been dead for 20, 30 years then it's a moneymaker to bring them back to life, and he was one of the I first. Think, I think Uncle Ben's the only one at this point, and even that, like, that's shaky ground because they had an Uncle Ben Spider-Man in Spider-Verse, so... Well, they, they did bring him back. See, when they, bought, uh, they brought Ben Reilly back, um, when they did... Ben Reilly was kind of like the jackal, and he oh, brought back all the old I villains. Thought, and... I thought they had a whole point of that where he didn't bring Ben back because... Peter was like, he'd be friggin' ashamed of you, and that's why he didn't bring him back. Oh, did he? Right. I just, I know, I know that he pretty much brought everybody back, and yeah. he basically offered to bring Uncle Ben back, but I, yeah. I kind of like dropped out. Like, I used to love Scarlet Spider and Ben Reilly, and it was just one character I, that I, I didn't want to see come back. Why are you gonna bring Ben Reilly back and like make him a dick? That's yeah. what Kane's for. I know. Um, so let's let's move on to the. Uh, we're, we're running a little long in the tooth, as we tend to do. I know I say that, like, every week, so at this point we should just be used to it. 
Uh, let's move on to the, the main attraction of the hour. We kind of put out the call for worst comics you've ever read. I think we all have a top pick. We all have a couple of ideas, but we're, we're just going to stick with uh, one option. But we had the listeners chime in with their opinions on Facebook, and we got some... Some people are in their feelings, I think is what they say on the internet. Uh, I have the Facebook page up, but Ian, you said you posted some other places as well? I've got quite a few. Um, I'll run through the best ones. So (laughs) I mentioned mentioned this to you before, but Brendan Quinn says, I love how terrible Tarot Witch of the Black Rose is. I hate it, but I cannot look away. Now, never heard of the book, but attached is a picture and it has the text Samantha Brown you have to get out of here your vagina is haunted so it seems like an interesting Close. book not interesting thanks for listening to you some of the best podcasts in the world we're done here uh, Chris, that's it. Chris Young uh, The Dark Knight Strikes Again disappointed is an understatement I have avoided Frank Miller's work ever since that's sound advice um, yeah Adrian Jones, Watchmen, um, The Reason, Utter Tripe, I don't agree with, but fair enough. No. Uh, Jim, Jim Condon, um, now this I kind of agree with, as much as I do like Grant Morrison, um, I tried to get into it, six, seven issues and could not. The recent uh, two season run of The Green Lantern by the spectacularly terrible Grant Morrison, absolute twaddle from start to finish it made me hate my favourite comic character I detest Morrison's shitty work um, That's a- next one Alex Finch, Grant Morrison's dare I'm normally a big fan of Morrison's Animal Man and Doom Patrol were among my all time favourites and there are aspects of it which I like but one part of it towards the end of the story uh, I hate it with a passion didn't really make sense but I uh, DC's Metal is the worst crossover event I have ever read. You would think it was written by 11 year old glue sniffing headbangers by Corey Cloud. Uh, mm. Thomas Wilson. I will say about Death Metal. I like the original metal. Mm, I, mm. I, I like the original. Uh, Thomas Wilson, Dark Knights, Strike, Dark Knight Strikes Again, disjointed story and honestly subpar artwork. Very disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, that's when Frank Miller's art started doing that's, that. That's kind, seeing it so far. Uh, Ryan Smith, can I nominate The Long Halloween purely for the worst art ever? Oh, I don't really agree no, with that. You but... yeah. No, you can't, no. Mm. Uh, Michael <laughs> Lennox, uh, Heroes in Crisis, Jesus, how do you turn the world against Wally West? I totally agree with that. Like, I hated that. Oh, yeah. Um, Neil McCulloch, Mind when DC shut out the event Forever Evil? Well, there was a tie-in miniseries to it that also spread to all the dark titles like JLA Dark and Constantine called Forever Evil Blight, which was utter dog. That whole event made me stop reading DC for a while. I wasn't really a fan of Forever Evil, to be fair. There's, there's I liked Forever loads Evil. More, I so I'll, I'll stop mm-hmm. reading it because there's just tons of comments and it's pretty much the same. Dark Knight Returns and blah, blah, blah. I just want to give a shout-out to John Clark on our Facebook page, who wrote, Superman versus Terminator, 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 
It's not the Puma. Superman versus Terminator was so bloody awful, I wanted to scoop my eyeballs out with a rusty spoon and run headfirst into a brick wall to give myself concussive amnesia to forget I had ever read it. I've never read a comic book or graphic novel that was so forced in all my 40 odd years of reading comics and graphic novels. I can't even give a synopsis because if I did, you'd want to jump naked into a deep pit of rusty nails and broken glass. And I couldn't have that on my conscience. I think John Clark wins Alan Todd, I hate everything award for this week. Cause that sounded straight out of Alan's mouth about Justice League. Just. There was a comment from Chris Cobb, I posted it on a comic book group, and he said, is 98% of Marvel, Marvel's events from 2011 to 2021 too broad? So, what? <laughs> That's a bit strong, Jesus Christ. I think Marvel does go a little too event heavy, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're all bad events. I mean, I like you've got, you, for the last 10 years, you do have your bad Marvel events, like Civil War doing stuff, but yeah, yeah huh. that's, a bit, that's a bit broad. Uh, yeah, agreed. Um, so, so what are your guys' pick? I want to, let's start with the big boss man himself. Uh, a few, but probably because I, I tried to revisit it earlier. Um, just because of the nostalgia, I think I told you before, it was one of the first kind of big crossovers I remember reading, and it was uh, Onslaught and uh, Heroes Reborn, and reading it now, like the costumes, it's just like peak 90s, like Ford's wearing like a kind of crop top, belly top, but it's mm. also armour as well, and... Uh, the 80s metalhead. The, the X-Men book was good at that time, but I think Fantastic Four and Avengers was suffering, um, but I just... The, the book is very 90s, very messy. Uh, Daniel, how about you, man? Morse comic book. Well, I, I, I already know what you're going to say. Well, I've got a few written down, and although I don't necessarily think this is the worst comic book I've ever read, I think it's probably the worst comic that I have the most to say about. And that's the Dark Knight. Sorry, that's All Star Batman and Robin. Um, I was I was between that Dark Knight Strikes again, which is why I almost said that there. But no, I, I'm I'm definitely I think I have more to say about All Star Batman and Robin. I still find that book fascinating. Years later, reading it now, you, mm -hmm. you you open that book and you you read the dialogue and you look at the art and you're like, was this just a crazy bet to see like Frank Miller going, what's the craziest thing I can get Jim Lee to draw? Like, that's what it feels like on some of the pages. And the dialogue is insane. I mean, like, lines like, you still haven't told me what a war does. Shut up. Sonar on. That's totally queer. <laughs> like, some of the so, dialogue in it. And then you've infamously got the, you know, what are you, dense? Are you retarded or something? Who the hell do you think I am? I'm the goddamn I'm the goddamn Batman. And then you've got the scene where the Batmobile crushes about... I don't know, 20 police cars, and then him and Black Canary, like, have sex while the yeah. police are still burning in the cars and, behind them. And and it's... forcing Robin to eat rats in the Batcave. Uh, yeah, there's that. Let's, yeah. let's not forget there's about three issues where time is clearly passing, and the entire time Batman and Robin are in the Batmobile. Yeah. Somehow. And then there's that, that infamous panel that they go and see Green Lantern and the two of them are painted head to toe yellow and the whole room is yellow. <laughs> I kind of love it's, that bit. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is, it's just, it's generally like a bet to see what's the craziest thing we can get Jim Lee to draw. And it's this. It's, it is endlessly entertaining. Like, I do think there's an entertainment value to the book, but in terms of quality, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's probably one of the kind of highest profile, highest budget failures I've ever seen. Absolutely, and they never finished it. it that too. They, it was all the issues were delayed to hell. 
Um, and it, it just stopped, and there wasn't really any plot developing at all. No. Aside from, here's Dick Grayson. We we got introduced to the Joker. Uh, with, a, with a back with tattoo. With a big dragon tattoo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as he choked a girl with his tie to death. Uh, the I, I will say, I, you gotta... The real showpiece of this is... Even as insane as it is, as terrible as the writing is, as nonsensical as the whole thing is, man, that art is so good. Oh, it's, it's like, a beautiful book, yeah. I mean, if, you're, if you took all the speech bubbles out and just displayed it as, like, you know, artwork as a poster, it's uh, amazing. It's beautiful. Jim but, Lee, at the height of his powers, like, yeah. maybe almost overdoing it. Yeah, and the coloring's brilliant. Everything about the composition... You know the flow of it. It's the artwork's incredible. It yeah. really is. It's. It, I think that's. I think the it's main such, reason. It's such a juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah. I. Th- I think the main reason it's got to beat out the Dark Knight Strikes Again for worst is the Dark Knight Strikes Again at least had something of a plot, and it finished. I would also argue Dark Knight Strikes Again because it has terrible plot and terrible art. It's kind of not as remarkable. Whereas this, having such a difference, it's really, it really is like one I don't know. I'm, to point out. I think it's crazy that it happened. So, I'm not gonna lie. I considered at one point buying the absolute edition of All Star Batman and Robin purely for the art. Like, but like I couldn't. Like I can't. I cannot justify spending upwards of a hundred dollars. Or however much that translates to into funny Europe dollars, um, <laughs> dollary dues. Uh, I know what it is. I just like to pretend that I'm ignorant. Um, I can't like no. I just no no. no. Do but that. I do have a paperback copy. Yeah, that um, that that that's required. I say, but any more than that, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean to be fair, I also have a, a hardback copy of Dark Knight uh, Three. I have a paperback copy of The Golden Child, and I have a hardback a combination of Dark Knight Returns and Dark Knight Strikes Again. So, like, clearly I'm not opposed to owning the Frank Miller collection. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a special one. Anything else you got to say about All-Star, Batman, and Robin? I'd say, I mean, obviously we've, we've kind of waxed lyrical about how bad it is, but if you've not read it, read it because you do have to read it to see how bad it is do you know what i mean even though it's horrible i would recommend it just to you know just to kind of see what i mean <laughs> well and absolutely read it if only because like really the art really is amazing like it yeah. really is Jim Lee at his best it's worth even if you don't want to read it if you just want to flip through the pages and look at all the cool stuff totally acceptable he does yeah. like a one of those uh you don't see it very often but you know those splash pages in the comic book where it folds out like five times yeah, he does one right. of those of the Batcave, and it's just like every Batmobile you could ever hope that they'd want to draw circa yep. 2006. Yep, Batwing um, so, and the T-Rex and the Koi, yeah. and everything's there. Yeah, yeah, like pre-Tumblr, I think. No, not quite pre-Tumblr, but I don't think we have the Tumblr in there, but he has like oh. a bunch of other historic Batmobiles. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I would say much more than Onslaught and Heroes Reborn, uh, All-Star Batman and Robin is at least worth a flip through. Um. My pick is in a similar vein. I have chosen Ultimatum 
Now, of course, we kind of mentioned the Ultimate Universe earlier, you know, in, in uh, around the year 2000. Uh, Bill Jemis kind of takes over the reins at Marvel and goes, well, how are you guys making more money with these characters? Like, this should be gangbusters. I run a toy company. I know how to do this. <laughs> so they're like, let's start everything over, separate from old continuity, and Brian Michael Bendis made Ultimate Spider-Man, and it's amazing, and we're not talking about it because it's perfect and you should read it. It's perfect for about the first hundred issues, and you should read it. Um <laughs> Except for an arc where Jean Grey swaps Peter and Wolverine's minds, and that's really dumb, and Brian Michael Bendis didn't want to write it, but editorial wanted him to. Anyways, uh, so side to that, we got Ultimate X-Men, which I'm reading through right now, and it's all right. It's got some problems, but it's okay. But the real star of the show is everyone thought, well, when do we get Avengers? When Captain America? When? When? <laughs> well... Mark Miller graced us with the Ultimates and the Ultimates 2, which was a very post-9-11 American jingoism modern take on the Avengers that I think was kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, I don't think it's meant to be taken seriously, which is why I like it. But then for some reason, Miller didn't return to do Ultimates 3, and neither did Brian Hitch. For Ultimates 3, we got Jeff Loeb and an artist whose name I don't know that had some really wacky art that was a real, like, Go look up Ultimate Surround Google Image Search. Like, everyone's just a hulking weird giant, and it's yeah. really weird art. That story was weird, and I thought about talking about that. But really, the worst of the worst is Ultimatum, which closely followed Ultimates 3. So in Ultimates 3, um, we are led to believe that Quicksilver and Wanda Maximoff are murdered. Uh, which they have, like, a weird, um, like, incestuous relationship in Ultimate 3 that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. And Wolverine's uh, her dad, right? Something like that. Or maybe that's yeah. main con. I don't remember. Um, so Magneto gets real mad that Ultimate Ultron, I guess, uh, murdered Scarlet Witch because Scarlet Witch couldn't be with it. It's stupid. Um, so he gets real mad, and he steals Thor's hammer somehow. And he reverses the poles of the Earth and floods New York and causes a ice storm in Europe and then some other stuff. Interesting premise. Like, I'm into it. Cool. Um, the artist is David Finch. Great art. Amazing art. David Finch is fantastic. I think his faces are a little samey, but that's fine. A lot of comic book artists suffer from the problem of same face. Like, that's very common. Um, the problem is... There's barely a narrative in this book. I reread it last week, and it's about 100 pages long, and there's just enough narrative gristle to get you from one gruesome death to the next. They just kill characters like it's a freaking Robert Kirkman book, except without Robert Kirkman's like character-building yeah. skill at all. Um, most famously, they have Blob, the X-Men villain, just eat the Wasp, Janet yep. Van Dyne. Just... There's a whole panel where just her guts are splayed open. He's just eating her. And then Hank Pym, who is... Yeah. Um, Tasty or something? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's like a zombie. And then, like, Hank Pym comes along, who Hank ultimate Hank Pym is his own bag of problems, uh, and picks up the blob and bites his head off and throws him. And then, yeah. like, carries Jan away like he can save her. And he mentions the Jocasta Protocol, which... If you know anything about main Marvel continuity, you kind of know where that's going, but I don't think they follow up on it. Um, basically, Jocasta was a robot that had uh, Janet Van Dyne's brain patterns 
put into her, which is weird because they existed at the same time and were basically the same person. Um, yeah, it's just David Finch killing characters like every few pages. Like there, it's such an unnecessary. It is unnecessarily mean spirited. This is like Jeff Loeb trying to write like Garth Ennis. Mm-hmm. but even Garth Ennis can make a story I want to read. Like, we've got, okay, we've got the Wasp gets eaten, Doctor Strange, Dormammu escapes and wraps Doctor Strange up in the carpet and squeezes him until his guts come out of his face, literally. Um, Beast and a couple of the other X-Men die immediately. They just drown. Nightcrawler, dead. Daredevil dies off-panel. Um... <laughs> At the end, when everyone's like, oh, Magneto's responsible, they go and find Magneto, and he's like, you guys are dicks. And they're like, no, Magneto, you are the one who is the dick. Uh, And Wolverine's like, I'm going to kill you. And Magneto's like, no. And so he makes Cyclops and Iron Man's weapons, because they're both metal-based, blast Wolverine until he's a skeleton with like a little bit of gristle still left on him. And he still manages to stab Magneto. And this isn't like normal Wolverine where he can just regenerate. Like he has healing powers, but like he's gone. It's done. Um, Magneto obliterates him. Uh, And then Scott blasts Magneto's head off. Magneto's done. And in the Ultimate Universe, they don't really bring people back. Like dead really is dead. Mm. Um, The only character they've kind of brought back was Spider-Man. That's a complicated scenario. Uh, Oh, yeah. Thor dies because Valkyrie died and Thor has to go to Hela and try to get Valkyrie's soul back and Captain America's there too because he drowned and then Thor is still dead at the end and Cap- it's so dumb. Um, the one cool thing that they have, the one cool moment is Magneto is like this god complex character in the Ultimate Universe that thinks like, oh, mutants were, you know, we were put here by God to take over. And the way they beat him, actually, before Cyclops kills him, is Nick Fury comes in and has Jean Grey implant information on the history of the mutants into Magneto's head. And in the Ultimate Universe, mutants were just a science experiment in the 40s. It was just an attempt to remake the super soldier. Everything in the Ultimate Universe is an attempt to remake Captain America. It's Mm -hmm. all based on genetics and science experiments. And Magneto's like, oh, no, we weren't chosen by God. And that's when Cyclops is like, you're dead now. Um, And lastly, after everything is done and everything is fixed, they're having a press conference and the world knows that Magneto did the thing. And they're like, ah, mutants are horrible. And Cyclops is like, no, we're going to try to help. And then Cyclops gets shot in the head. (laughs) He dead. They just kill everyone. They kill everyone in this freaking book. And there's not enough narrative. If there was enough narrative, like make it a 200 page book with enough narrative in between and character moments, that's fine. But like, there's not, there's not yeah. enough narrative. It's just an excuse to draw horrible things. The art's really good, but it's so violent and so unnecessary. And that's coming from me who loves Zack Snyder. And that's my rant about Ultimatum. It's a bad book. Don't read it. Agreed. Um, I think the yeah. most offensive thing about it, though is the, the the talent behind it. I think if it was if it was marketed as you know, come and look at all these heroes dying, and it was just some generic writer. But you know, you've got these these writers like Jeff Loeb and stuff working on it who have done some great stuff, and and, and this is just them at their absolute worst. And it's, yeah. I mean, admittedly, Jeff Loeb, 
His son died of cancer in the mid-2000s, and he was never quite the same as a writer after that. I think the last really good thing he put out was Hush. Mm. Um, and then after that, it kind of goes down the tubes, mm. uh, which it feels bad to kind of shit on him for that because of the circumstances. But, like, Ultimatum's bad, dude. Like, it's it's bad. It's the, I can't even recommend it for the art because it's, like, great. It's just pictures of superheroes dying in gruesome ways and, like, I guess if you're into that, have a ball, but... I mean, they sell, like, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe and Punisher kills the Marvel Universe. That's all they are, really. So I guess if, you, if they sold it in that way, I, would, I wouldn't have been as offended. But the fact is... Magneto sold it kills the event, Ultimate Universe. Yeah, it was just bad. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. I mean, I could probably rant for a while, but we're hitting, like, an hour 30. And uh, if you've stuck with us to this point, I really appreciate it. Once again, if you've stuck with us, you must like what we're saying... If you wouldn't mind hitting the like and subscribe, we'll be your friend. Like, kind of. We'll be like a parasocial friend. We won't know who you are, but like, you're cool with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I do want to kind of bring this to a wrap up uh, so that people can get on with their lives so that Ian can go do what Ian got to do and uh, so that me and Daniel don't have to spend six hours straight uh, editing our respective uh, portions of this. Um, so next week we will be back. We'll probably do a wrap up of Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm sure there will be a new question for fans on the Facebooks uh, and the Twitters and so forth uh, for this week. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Uh, if you like what we said about worst comics or any of our other opinions, drop us a line on Facebook. Uh, remember, you can find us on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram as uh, BGCP Comic Con. Um, you can find us under uh, Facebook as also BGCP Comic. That's pretty much what we are everywhere. Um, don't forget to visit the website, bigglasgowcomicpage.com, for all these reviews we've been talking about. And, uh, yeah, with that all said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bid you fine listeners adieu and uh, say a, a good evening to my Scottish friends here. What time is it where you are? Yeah, no, it's, you're, you're fine. Cool. It's just about to be 10 a.m. here, so time differences. It's always fun to record this. So uh, we'll be back next week uh, with more comic book-related content. And as always, everyone have a fantastic week. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to Disassembled. You can find more news and reviews on BigGlasgowComicPage.com. And don't forget, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube as BGCP Comic Con. Make sure you also subscribe on the podcast provider of choice for new episodes every week.